But before we get started, we have a word from our sponsor, Prediction Strike. Do you wish you could have had stock in guys like Aaron Judge or Paul Goldschmidt? Well, now Prediction Strike makes that a real possibility. Prediction Strike is the only performance-based sports stock market where you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes as if they were stocks. It's like Robin Hood and DraftKings had a baby. Sandy Alcantara is up 149% over the last year, and investors are making a killing. Prediction Strike lets fans create portfolios of their favorite athletes so they can make money and get even closer to the game. Don't just draft your favorite players, start investing in them. Simply download Prediction Strike's new and easy to use app from the App Store or sign up at predictionstrike.com to create an account. Use code GTE, then deposit funds to buy, sell, and hold shares of your favorite players, just like you would real stocks. The value of players will change based upon game performance and supply and demand, and you can trade your shares of players at any time, as long as the player isn't currently in a game. Sign up with promo code GTE to receive a free athlete share with your first deposit of $20 or more. And they're walking him with the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off. What is going on? I do wish we could do a live stream every day, but that's not the case. However, got time today. We're going to hit up on some of the opening opening day stuff. I And my mic's working today. I, I triple checked it. So we're going to dive right into about 10 things I noticed on opening day, maybe a few more. So first thing I noticed was the uh, closers. We kind of got some answers on some closers here. We have, um, let's see, we got Fulmer in Chicago. We have LeClerc, they said, would get the first shot in Texas. And we saw him come into a four-run lead yesterday and kind of secure it in the back end. We'll talk about him. And we're going to talk about these guys a little more in depth here. We have David Robertson for the Mets. Not really surprised there. They said they wouldn't name a closer, but they expected him to get majority of the opportunity, so to speak. So you know you have him there. He's probably the favorite amongst, amongst this list. He's sure to be drafted universally. A guy that might not be drafted in some shallower formats, but pretty much drafted universally in 15-teamers is Ronaldo Lopez. He's one of, he's my second favorite on this list, just ahead of Fulmer. But then the last guy I want to mention real quick is Danny Jimenez of the uh, A's. He got the first save opportunity last night. But let's talk about – so here we go. We're going to start sharing our screen now. This is where we get to have some fun and talk about some velocity and stuff. So Ronaldo Lopez, the reason why he's so interesting, look at those velocity games. That's absurd. Now, the CSW isn't great at just 19%, but we're looking at a guy who went to driveline in, in the offseason, made a point to improve himself, try to get better sh- uh, shape or movement. Or I forgot what it was with the slider. He was trying to improve it, though. But his changeup was interesting because then changeup, uh, three inches less vertical break, more hor- a lot more horizontal break, so he's getting a lot more horizontal movement on that changeup. But with that said, we're talking nearly three miles per hour on the four-seamer slider, and the changeup went up. So I mean, you would like to see more of a, a gap between the changeup and four-seamer, but we're still looking at a, a decent gap. All things, but regardless, all things considered, you want to see him hitting higher velocities as a reliever. And the reason why the CSW might be a little low, he faced the heart of the lineup. What we did, what we did get from Ronaldo Lopez was the fact that he faced Jordan. He faced uh, Bregman and uh, I think Pena, I guess, would be the top of the order. He faced the top of the order is kind of what I'm getting at. And or was it was the two, three, four? I'm trying to remember. It doesn't matter. The one home run he gave up was to Jordan Alvarez, and it wasn't even a bad pitch. It was just Jordan did a really good job getting a hold of it. It was right at his knees on the inside corner. Like if you look at the square, I have I wish I had a picture of it. If you look at the square, it was literally like perfectly pinpoint there, but Jordan just turned on it and let it ride. So all things considered, they trusted 
uh, Lopez in the highest situation, the highest um, uh, in one of the biggest situations in the game, highest leverage situations in the game against the best part of the lineup in the ninth inning. I think Lopez will close more games than not while uh, Hendricks is out, which we still don't really know about the situation. But the next thing I want to talk about is although Danny Menez got the uh, got the save, ugh, I mean, not pretty. Minus three miles per hour on his uh, on his fastball, the slider minus almost one and a half, about one point three miles per hour on the slider. It's just not good. He, I don't trust it. I don't want to have to trust it. I don't trust the A's to even close a lot of games. He would be the last of these five I mentioned. So as of right now, it'd be David Robertson, Ronaldo Lopez, uh, Michael Fulmer, Leclerc, and then Jimenez. And we'll talk about Leclerc in a minute. But I want to bring this up because. I would say, oh, Trevor May could be a thing, but if you scroll up one, Trevor May himself had velocity issues too. So obviously it's still early. Let's, let's talk about that as well. Velocity issues, teams are, players are still ramping up. You'll see some velocity diminish as well. Some players are throwing hot. You have guys like Hunter Green, which he didn't make this list just because he had, like, he had some issues with the long ball yesterday, but in that ballpark, you should expect that. If the fastball, if the fastball stays too straight on a couple of pitches, you're going to see guys like O'Neill Cruz deposit it into the stands. So Green has those concerns already, but all, all things considered, I think Green's going to be just fine. But his velocity was up like, I think, a mile or two an hour yesterday too. And it's I don't I have a hard time buying into Green's velocity being up all season long with that because he has to obviously, it'll even out eventually. So what I'm getting at is that, Starting high, starting low, it's more of a base uh, starting point to kind of monitor moving forward. So we don't take anything too – we don't take it away. We don't take this too much away from opening day. It's one start, one game. But the goal here is to kind of set this baseline and build off of it and monitor these things as they move forward. That way you can stay on top of things and maybe get ahead of the closer market. If you see like one guy starting to struggle or starting the velocity never does, isn't increasing while the other guy is, like if Trevor May gets his velocity up and starts showing he's more effective, maybe you see that flip happen, especially if they want to try to sell May high. So – Stuff like that. That's what we're kind of looking for here uh, coming off opening day. So Trevor May is an issue. Uh, the next guy I want to talk about here is Jose Leclerc. And another one, just look at the velocity. We're talking two and a half miles per hour on the four-seamer. The changeup shoot, I mean, obviously changeup goes down. Four-seamer goes down most likely. So, But that's less effect, That's less of an issue as long as the changeup can be effective. But less velocity is just bad. And, uh, we always, and, we always, and we also know that Leclerc himself is just... He's been iffy to hold the job in the past. I do think he's going to be the favorite there. I would like he's third, like I say, he's fourth on this list out of five. Uh, so I'm not a huge Leclerc guy. I don't have any shares anyway, but he is a guy that I feel like the leash might be rather short and the velocity is a concern, something to keep in mind. Two guys, uh, next thing I want to talk about, point number two is going to be the two guys set max exit velocity <laughs> career highs on opening day, which means that A, there's room for improvement, but B, could it be a hot gun? That's to be determined. However, the two names I want to discuss here are where is this? Share this tab. Here we go. Dalton Varsho and Brandon Donovan. Brent, first off, Varsho batted cleanup. He batted six most of spring, but then started batting cleanup towards the end of spring. So seeing him sticking to the cleanup spot against a righty makes a lot of sense and always thought what I thought would be, but I guess maybe they were just getting Brandon Belt his reps. So I kind of got thrown off by that. Regardless, you weren't. You weren't getting a discount on Varjo based on the potential of bat sixth and fourth. So it really is negligible. But all things considered, batting fourth is obviously better. Well, what we have here, though, for Varsho, so Varsho is batting fourth in this lineup against righties and cleanup. But it's really Brandon Donovan. I just want to mention that both these guys, like maybe we see a little bit power spike. They're both in their prime. But Donovan, the reason why he stands out is because, A, he hit a home run yesterday and it wasn't even on this pitch. It was on a 99, but he hit two balls over 105 miles per hour last year or yesterday. And he hit the third ball he hit was a home run. It was only, it was 99 miles per hour, so it wasn't even that great, but it was still a home run ball. The point being is that he entered spring with the intent to produce more power, and we're seeing it 
show off first thing with a home run. He has great hit tool, great play discipline. He's leading off against righties. He's already been a climber in drafts, and he might be a buy high, and you could probably still buy low if you're in trade leagues because people want to understand that maybe he's closer to a 20 home run guy that we might have thought, which no projection system has him. And it's even hard to say that, but starting off day one with the home runs definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, for those who might not have been aware, Edmund batting ninth against, uh, since this was on the list, but we're going to talk about it real quick. Edmund batting ninth was to be expected against righties. He will lead off against lefties. The coach even said as much. The issue is, is people still seem surprised that he hit ninth. You shouldn't be surprised. That is what you should expect moving forward, unless you have Brandon Donovan and Lars Newbar struggle. One or one can struggle, and then maybe Edmund can move up. But until they do, I think they're going to have a little bit of a leash there. I think Edmund will be stuck batting ninth majority of the time. Next guy on this list is uh the next thing on this list is going to be Logan Webb. And this is going to be a quicker live stream, obviously. And if you're watching, appreciate it. Please subscribe. And if you are listening on the podcast, don't forget to uh, go to youtube.com slash at GTE Fantasy. Subscribe there. And, of course, five-star rating review on the podcast is greatly appreciated. Now let's move on. Um, two, we have – I wanted to share – I'm sharing my Twitter feed because, A, shameless plug, at Mike underscore Curlin. B, I just wanted to talk about Brandon Webb. About oh, Brandon Webb. Whoa, 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 whoa. Logan Webb. Logan Webb had a really good start yesterday. And what I'm saying, when I say he can improve, obviously a sub three ERA is a great ERA to come back to come off of already as it is when you're talking about uh, a, a bounce back season. But when I'm saying bounce back, I'm saying bounce back in strikeouts. Logan Webb had a great game and we saw the velocity on the slider improve, which I have a picture of right here. We saw the velocity of the slider improve. We saw the sinker. I, what was it? The changeup usage go up, I think, or sorry, here, more changeups, less sliders. But even though the slider, slider, so, okay, let me click my thoughts. I apologize. Uh, so the slider velo did increase, but he actually changed his pitch mix in his first game. And I thought maybe the changeup was something he just wanted to incorporate more. Maybe it is because it is a good changeup. But he also usually incorporates it more against lefties. And there's only two players that batted lefty in this lineup yesterday. So it was more or less a plan of attack. So if, if he's willing to throw the changeup more to righties, Overall, we could see that changeup take over as a second pitch, but the slider having more velocity is intriguing. And the fact that he located his sinker, what looked to be a little different. So we're going to go side by side here. So obviously, here's the velocity I was mentioning, highlighted with the slider being up 1.7 well, miles per hour. This was the pitch mix. So sinker, slider, changeup, four-seamer was the pitch mix last year. He threw two four-seamers. He's pretty much pretty much non-existent pitch. Slider, changeup, sinker. So you're seeing the 43%, 35%, 20% in favor of the changeup sinker changeup slider and then here you have sinker slider changeup at in the 30s so he might again it was it's one start we can't say this is a pitch mix but a uh, pitch mix change i should say but it is something to monitor because if if this change holds maybe we could maybe because he, he found success with it maybe the strikeouts can follow but what i was also more encouraged by because not only the sinker uh, sinkers up half a tick whatever that's not that big of a deal that's probably gonna fluctuate look at the sinker location last year all up in the middle here and that probably played itself to, you know, inducing more ground balls and, you know, more pitch contact, less strikeouts, which could explain why the sub ER, sub three ERA and the strikeouts took a dip. But this, but now we're seeing it's still some in the middle. It's not like it's, he's not living in the middle a little bit. But look how much he's attacking the inside, outside, and the up top of the zone with it. I know sinkers usually don't play, they usually don't throw a lot of sinkers top of the zone. Usually sinker sits in the bottom, induces ground balls. But if he's well, if Logan Webb, if Logan Webb is willing to attack. The uh, upper upper part of the zone with it, and more of the inside. They go kind of trying to try to live on the edges, not so much live in the middle. He won't be able to induce as many ground balls because I think it's going to induce more whiffs or more weak, a lot more weaker contact. It'll still induce ground balls, but maybe some more swing and miss. And again, we saw swing and miss 
he play into his game yesterday. So I'm intrigued by this. I think it's something definitely to keep top of mind. But we're going to move on from Logan Webb. And if I get, oh, I did get a question. No, so Russell asks, you're not selling high on Donovan. It really depends what you can get. But most people aren't valuing him properly anyway. And the ones that are valuing, valuing Donovan properly probably aren't paying what he's worth. I think he's just such a solid, safe option. Let's give a comp. Like, he could be Ty France. Think about where you got Ty France. So would you trade him for Ty France? Most people, might, Some people might for that level of safety. But I think that there's very similar comps there in terms of potential for production. And I don't think it's worth trading. I, I feel like just keep Donovan. Maybe there's some like sneakier speed there for Donovan. Not necessarily that he's going to run much, but just something to think. Um, so someone's asking off topic, which is fine. I mean, I'm going to answer your questions in the middle of going down my top 10 things just because there might be something worth mentioning. So Spencer Steer, looking out for a CI spot in a very deep mixed league. That's exactly what he belongs as. Uh, gets the call. Gets the call. Uh, Great America Small Park home. And he's going to hit in the bottom third of that lineup. But we saw him hit a home run yesterday. We know the power's there. It's just a matter of what are they going to do? I'm still curious what they're going to do with um. So let's just get that out of the way. Short term, yes. Add uh, Spencer Steer. He should be rostered in those types of formats if you need, especially if you need a little power upside. But the thing about Steer, the thing about Steer is that um, I'm really curious what they're going to do with um, Sinzel when he returns. Nick Sinzel did take part in a spring game, played third base. I don't think Sinzel's suddenly going to not play the outfield, but maybe they see Sinzel as more. He has played the infield in the past. Maybe they see him more as an infielder to help mitigate some of that injury risk playing the outfield, especially with, you know, bad legs, feet, whatever it is, there's always something with Senzel. I'm not saying that steer will be replaced, especially if he performs, I doubt steer gets benched all of a sudden for Senzel, but just one of those things I just caught my attention spring, kind of keeping an eye on it, but all things considered, I do think steer is a solid deeper league corner infield option. Shallow formats wouldn't go there just yet. The next thing on this list here, we're going to go to over to the, uh, Diamondbacks, Zach Gallen. I wanted to bring him up just because the game he didn't have a great game and the velocity is really down. It's still early. He can ramp it up, no problems. But we're talking two miles per hour on the cutter. Um, the knuckle curve was up, but that's fine. I mean, that's not really a big deal. But the f- fact he's losing a tick off of the four-seamer and why that matters is because velocity on faster thrown and harder thrown pitches that those matter more than something on a softer toss pitch, in my opinion, because obviously some you'll see these fluctuate a lot for players. Sliders can be, you can get like a tighter slider or like if you'll see people drop three, I think Strom dropped like three miles per hour on a slider. And if you look, it had a lot more horizontal movement. So it was almost like he, there's give and take there. So sometimes you'll see these secondaries fluctuate in, um you'll see these secondaries fluctuate in, in velocity, excuse me, where I, and movement. Whereas with these pitchers, the I feel like velocity in the fast, you know, fast fastballs and cutters, that stuff matters a little more because those are meant to be thrown hard. So I'm not saying it speaks to his poor health or bad health or anything. We know he dealt with some forearm stuff. Uh, was it last year? I forget when it was. But uh, it's just one of those things. Keep in mind. Uh, could explain the struggles. Could be a buy low window because people tend to overreact and to day one so just something again this is the whole stream is going to be keep this stuff in mind don't overreact if you're listening to the podcast don't overreact to one game it's just something hey look this is here this happened let's make a note of it and watch it for next watch the next couple starts and see if he can build up from there and i have another question here from russell what about sps like jeffrey springs for donovan if you can get if you can get just for that'd be great if you get springs Rasmussen, if you can get those types of guys for him sure i just don't think you can't I, springs just got so much uh helium if you could trade somebody if you could trade high on a guy based on one day based on the hype that the industry's given them always take advantage of it it's just one of those things that make sure you're addressing a need and make sure you're addressing a, a need and maybe a skill set you want to take a gamble on 
like a Donovan, if people value Donovan and say Kelnick start, starts slow and you want to try to take advantage of the upside, I get that. I, I That's the type of thing. It's like address a need or address, or if you can gamble on some upside, you can trade some safety for upside type of thing. Uh, but I don't think Kelnick's going to be traded for him either because people obviously drafted him with that idea of Kelnick being very valuable to their team for more than just, you know, the fact that he might strike out and hit for low average. He's going to produce. Anyway, so uh, other than Gallon, another starter that dropped in velocity but still manages to always show his show himself in, t- in terms of like be a good pitcher regardless is Shane Bieber Bieber velocity down across the board. Now I think the weather was kind of crappy there, so that could be part of it, but we've seen now continued drop in velocity. But if you watch that game, which I watched that game last night, cause it was a lot of good pitching Castillo really showed out and Castillo's velocity was down, but he's known to hate the cold weather, be a slow starter. So that shouldn't really concern you, nor should it be a surprise, but uh, Bieber here, the reason why this one's intriguing is because I feel like the low obviously as those velocity dips and if it continues to dip again, that room for there's less and less and less room for error here. And that's what I kind of want to get at with Bieber is that you have no room for error if Bieber, if this velocity actually holds true. So that's why you have to watch. But he was able to masterfully locate pitches last night. It was stupid. These off-speed pitches of his, he was just dropping them in there like it was no issue. Or he was able to just pick his spots. It's 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 art. He uh he's like the Bob Ross of pitching. You know he's just that he's so good. Season long. Oh, I have a question here. Oh, nice. This is a fun league. Sixteen work league. First year fantasy baseball player. What stats shall we focusing on to draft? So, uh, points leagues in general. So if you're somehow drafting still, or if just if you're looking to make trades in points leagues, anything. Points leagues value home runs, walks, starting pitchers. So you want good starters, guys who hit a lot of home runs, guys who don't strike out a ton. Stolen bases, but know your point. You have to take a look at your points because uh, stolen bases are usually not much, worth much. So always know that, but I would say definitely focus on starting pitching and big hitting. Uh, what are your opinions on Volpe? So Volpe got his first stolen base of the, uh, got his first stolen base of the season last, uh, yesterday. I think Volpe is a very exciting player. But just like everybody else, you've seen Jordan Walker, you see uh, Bryce Terang, you're seeing the young guys bat at the bottom of the lineup. Now, to put Terang in that conversation isn't fair to Terang. He's not in that conversation with those guys. But Volpe, we saw the athleticism day one. We saw the stolen base already. I expect that to play up. I expect the stolen bases to be a skill set of Volpe's. I expect Volpe to be able to take, to go ahead and steal 20-plus stolen bases. That's very doable. How much will the power play up? Well, he has Yankee Stadium. He makes enough contact. I think he'll be fine. Um, it's just the problem is how long will he be stuck at the bottom of the lineup? That's going to be up to him. Volpe is going to have to perform to move up. All things considered, a 10, a 15, 20 type of season is within the realm of possibilities. It's just a matter of can he be consistent at the big league level? Well, the strikeouts that we saw in AAA spike, I want to keep it rather. I now I think he has room for a lot more than uh, 15, 20, but you don't ever want to overestimate what these guys can do because also the, the realm of possibilities include Volpe being sent down. So you don't want to ignore that. I don't know how that works. I guess it would depend if it, the pitch clock violations. I don't think most fantasy leagues, uh, the only way it would hurt you in fantasy is if it causes a walk or a strikeout. Depending on which of the pitcher strikes out, you get a point. If the if the, the hitter strikes out, you get a point. But if the pitcher's, if a walk happens and the pitcher would lose a point. Um, so back to the list here. We have, I wanted to bring up a guy in Jose Siri to not sleep on. And kind of a couple guys here. So I think that this, yeah, there's going to be a couple guys here. So Jose Siri, he caught my attention because he hit the second hardest ball yesterday in the game and 110 max exit velocity. And if you look for Siri, he has done that in the past. He hit, I think, 110 miles per hour last year too. So, or 111, it was it was up there. So the max exit velocity, what I'm getting at 
is Siri has that power potential, but he's known for his speed because I think he had 10 or more stolen bases in spring, and he's going to play most days. I think the defense in center field will keep him in there. I know Josh Lowe is going to factor in, but I don't think Siri is going to be the one hurt by it. And if Siri taps into that power potential a little bit, I think we can see some surprising numbers here just because he's, again, he's already off to a strong start with the one home run. Doesn't get much stronger after one game, but a guy you need to be aware of in shallow formats. He's already deeply relevant. He's already rostered as a fifth outfielder in most spots. So he's going to be hard to come by, but series, a guy I wanted to bring up just because the, the velocity, the max velocity, you know, jumped off the screen and we know the speeds there. So if he could put it all together, there's a lot of, there's a lot of past the fantasy, like, like breakout here and a guy that you're getting around pick 300 later in drafts. I have a couple shares. I know Rob DiPietro and I actually listened to logical pod this morning after I saw, like I make my notes. It sucks because um you start listening. First off, you listen to other podcasts. Obviously you talk to other people, you listen to other stuff. A lot of us cover the same information, but those guys were really, I know Rob was in on Siri for a while. We were, t- we text back in like January about it, but I had no idea Rob was. So it was cool to see them in on. And then of course my notes kind of paired up. So I'm going to shout shout them out because they talk about Siri a little bit as well as a target of theirs in drafts. I don't have Siri in my big drafts, so I can't sit there and say I was super in on them, but I do have a couple early shares of them back as a fifth outfielder in some uh, like draft champions formats, which are 15 team draft and holds type of thing. Anyway, I digress. I want the next thing I want to talk about is right here. Spencer Torkelson, why it matters. We have three balls hit hundred miles per hour or higher. I think that's very important because with Spencer Torkelson consistently hitting the ball hard, is a skill you want to see, especially that he started in spring, and I think we're seeing it kind of carry over. Now he has to hit it off the damn ground because negative 30, negative 5, negative 1. Ground balls are, aren't going to do you nothing good when you're not a speed uh, fast guy. So good and bad. You know, you have Tor- Torque hitting a bunch of hard balls, but they're all into the ground. He did have some tough matchups yesterday. Two of those were against Shane McClanahan. So the fact that he made such quality contact against Shane McClanahan is a positive thing, but it was also a lefty, and we know he hits lefties better. Uh, with that said, I just thought it was encouraging because we saw him kind of start hitting the ball harder in spring, carrying it over. If he And we saw the strikeout rates really improve uh, at towards the end of last year and stuff for Torkelson. So if he can kind of carry it over, he's still young enough. It's like he's like 24. People are just writing him off. I think Torque has some potential for intrigue and fantasy uh, upside as a power hitter. Just something to keep in mind there. I don't, I'm not expecting shallow leagues. I still don't think he's rosterable in anything shallower than 15 right now. Just not enough upside there. I want to talk about two lineups. That uh, caught my attention yesterday. There's, I mean, there's a lot more. Here's the thing. These are some of the notes off of like the I, I do. I did like like probably 20 plus teams I covered in just sort of savant notes, and then of course the lineup notes. I did them all for the Patreon. So Patreon.com/slash/gtfantasy if you want all this information, but more. Uh, like this information is some of it. I obviously script the surface, but there's a lot more and the athletic as well. I'll be putting out some of that information as well. But yeah, this stuff is just part of what I dive into and a lot more in depth, and a lot more for pretty much every team if I can. Anyway. We're going to talk about yesterday's lineup, the White Sox. The reason why I bring up the White Sox, if you notice, I highlighted it, and there's nobody, there's a, there's a guy missing here, Oscar Colas, a guy who broke camp with the team just to sit day one. They did face a lefty. Maybe the end is a tough lefty in Fran Valdez. So maybe that tough lefty is exactly why he sat. However, he did pinch hit. He had like a 109 mile power single, I think it was, and we saw him hit pretty well in spring hit for power he is a little aggressive that might come back to bite him at least the way he showed off in spring barely any strikeouts but barely but like no walks so Colos has power raw power easily could be a 25 home run guy 
but I do think he could be in a weak side platoon. And R- Romy Gonzalez, R- Romy, I think it's Romy. It could be, R- I think it's R- Romy Romy. I apologize. But Gonzalez, he started against righties. I don't know how much that platoon's going to hold. But the reason why it's worth mentioning is because Gonzalez has a little bit of speed and he had like 110 mile power hit yesterday, uh, max, ex- max exit velocity. And we saw Gonzalez actually do that last year as well. So Gonzalez in an NL only format, like deep NL only format where you're scraping for plate appearances, where you need a little power, a little speed potential. Gonzalez has that, and Gonzalez should be playing multiple positions this year. They talked about him being in utility role, right field today. If there's an injury or if McCotton needs a day off, et cetera, et cetera, we could see him factor elsewhere. Also, Vaughn batting third against lefties. He does hit lefties better. Vaughn's known for that. So him and Benintendi flip-flopping lefties and righties wouldn't surprise me. So don't think I think Vaughn was a is because we faced the lefty yesterday, not because uh, of any other reason. So I think we're gonna see uh I think we're gonna see Benintendi uh, and Vaughn flip-flop somebody asked any bona fide league winners unfortunately in a 16 league because again we're talking very small uh, shallow league here you're going to be loaded there's no the league the league winners i i'm not good at shallow leagues i play deeper leagues because i tend to overthink it so much in shallow leagues so really just draft the best available every round you'll be fine uh but no no league winners i can think of in terms of like gotta have them in a in a fun work league like that it sounds like a fun sounds like a fun league though and the next lineup i want to talk about is uh this one right here. And the reason why I bring this up is because you look at it, and all spring long, even against righties, this wasn't the starting right fielder. We had Oscar Gonzalez playing, starting all spring long, and there was zero indication of this possibly being a platoon situation. Will Brennan, as the lefty, good bat-to-ball skills, a low pop, a lot of speed, and very, very good plate discipline overall. I love Will Brennan. I thought I looked at him as a sleeper because I didn't think he was going to have the playing time initially. And would you look at that? Uh, indications, I mean, this is, again, one lineup. We could see so much change here. But in one lineup, we have Will Brennan starting over Oscar Gonzalez. I haven't seen any injury news on that. Maybe I'm missing. But uh, maybe I'm missing news. But, yeah. Uh, somebody asked about how the extra runner on second affects the inning score. It's just if it's if he scores – it depends on how it's scored in the box score. Really, I don't really know to be honest. I, I, I've actually never really paid attention. I feel like because it's your the runner itself is already there, so you, you, the pitcher and most pitchers, if you're getting extra innings, you're rarely rostering those pitchers anyway. A lot of the relief pitchers get get that you roster throw before that shouldn't be too much of a hindrance. Um, where are we at? Torkelson. I already talked about. Oh, another good hitter. I guess I'll have to pull it up manually because I was going to bring it up and it's not here. So we're gonna go to this tab. And sorry, we're going to pull this up on the fly because I had everything prepped but this uh, this one, apparently. I wanted to go over to Boston because Masahiro Tan- uh, Tanaka, he had my attention because he had two balls hit over 100 miles per hour yesterday. So showing, look at 108.4. Here's the problem. Again, ground out and single. We know, we see the raw powers there. I think all of, I think all of his batted balls were like strong. 97, uh I think there was a couple more right around there too. Uh, 99. Yeah. So Masahiro, Masataka, Masataka Yoshida, Masahiro. Look at me. I'm thinking of Tanaka. Masataka Yoshida. I apologize. Wow. I said the wrong. I said the Yankees pitcher doesn't pitch like in three years. But um, Masataka Yoshida, I apologize for that. He's hitting, he hit a ton of hard balls yesterday, a bunch of hard hits. A guy that when you see that, it catches your attention because he's batting cleanup and we questioned why. And maybe this is exactly why they saw the raw power. They saw the potential for uh, Yoshida to hit for power and be able to be a solid middle one bat worth mentioning. I don't know if anything's going to come of it, but it is something that's like, wow, he made some quality contact yesterday. Uh, let's see how his barrel rate was. I don't know. Not all these were barrels. That's another thing. Like, like yesterday, I think uh, Thyro Estrada had multiple 
really hard hits, but none of them were barrels. They were like two of them were over 105 miles per hour and none were barrels. And I was like, huh, that's interesting because to hit the ball that hard and not uh, not actually. So, yeah, so all these batted balls, not one was a barrel for 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 Yoshida. So that could tell you right there, like if he's going to hit the ball really hard, that's great. But Yoshida could also struggle to barrel the ball. Possibly again, one game, four four batted balls. You're not going to say he can't barrel the ball. But if he's if these hard hits, if he if he's not barreling the ball, at least he's hitting the ball hard. And Estrada was a great comp in terms of like maybe he'll still get double digit home runs, but he won't tap fully into that raw power if he's not barreling the ball well. Somebody did ask, uh, do you know when Jazz will get off eligibility? So he it depends on your league format. I think Yahoo's five games, NFBC is ten. And I know Jazz is in the outfield today, so that's game one. I believe he was a DH yesterday, so you have to know that. And we can do one here. I'll look at one, I'll look at the one lineup today. We'll talk about the Marlins real quick, and then I'm going to get out of here most likely. So sorry, let me bring this over here. So we have the Marlins, and what we're seeing back-to-back days are Arias and Segura batting top two, and they're both batting top two against a lefty and a righty. So it wasn't a one-time thing for Segura. It looks like they want to keep them batting top two. And against lefties, Segura batting second actually made sense. But against righties was kind of uh, surprising because all spring they didn't move him up there. And then you have a – did Jazz – oh, yeah, Jazz did play – he did play San Francisco yesterday because I remember the misplay that me and Rob were laughing about on Twitter. I've, I don't know why I saw DH. I don't, I don't know why. It's in, it's in my brain. But then you see like – so today, for instance, okay, cool. So now you're seeing it. Yesterday they played, they played Brian De La Cruz yesterday against a righty, sat – Jesus Sanchez against a righty. And today against a lefty, they could have put Brian De La Cruz right back in. And instead, they sat De La Cruz in favor of Soler and Garcia in the outfield. Cooper is going to bat every day. He's going to play every day. People are worried about him. It's all about health with Garrett Cooper. Sneaky 20-plus home runs there. Good batting average. A solid c- contributor for, like, deeper formats. Cooper is going to bat third every day. He's batting third again today. He's, and DH in first base. They have Gurriel at first base, and they're choosing to sit both De La Cruz and Sanchez. Neither one of them are going to have regular playing time. Sanchez should play against lefties. And look, the Mets lineup listed, and as expected, Tommy Pham in left field. Left field, surprising. Who did they sit for Pham? This one I have to go back and look at the roster real quick, see who they sat for Pham, because that's where I'm struggling. I know Pham was, I figured Pham might DH against lefties. Oh, Mark Hanna, duh. So yeah, Mark Hanna's playing DH, but my point is his fam against lefties makes sense. He hits lefties better. He is going to be in a fourth outfield slash platoon role there, and him and Vogelbach are going to fight for playing time. Uh, otherwise, though, this this matchup right here is going to be fun. David Peterson, if you're in a shallower league, you should be making sure he's rostered if he's not already, especially today against the Marlins. That's easy money. Marlins suck. Avisar Garcia, I don't know how long his leash is going to be. He pisses me off. He's not good. Get, give the kids a chance. I know they're paying him, but he hasn't been good. I, I refuse to believe it. But, yeah, so Chisholm, two, uh, Chisholm, two games in the outfield already. So th- by the end of the week, next week, he'll be Yahoo eligible. And uh, about midweek uh, the, in week three, if you want to call it, you can call that week two, week three, whatever you want to call it. But you'll see that. You'll see uh, you'll see him get off eligibility then. So that unless I have any more questions, and yes, Vogelbach, Vogelbach is sitting. But, yes, against righty, against lefty, he will sit. He will be the everyday TH against righties. So, yeah. I think that's going to do it for this one. I hope you guys like it. 30 minutes, a shorter one, but this is the type of thing you should be expecting in season. Maybe next time I'll bring some prop bets or something fun like that. But uh, try and do two to three of these a week. I appreciate those. Uh, oh, you're answering my question. Thanks. Uh, appreciate those that came out, hung hung out, and uh, check out the podcast if you want to catch If you didn't get a chance to watch this live, I appreciate it. And we'll talk next time.